1: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
3: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Network. It's the Marketers Report. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Welcome to Celtic State of Minds, I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by J.P. Mason and Declan McConville. Welcome back to The Bulletin, guys. How's your week been? Afternoon.
2: It's nice, sun's out, Paul, and we're here to talk about the Celtics. so... Yep.
3: We are here to talk about the Celtic. There's uh, plenty to discuss, as always, Declan. We've not spoken to you guys since uh, the same time last week. We've got a wee game coming up at the weekend. Um, transfer kind of rumours, as you would expect, incomings, outgoings, and that big question mark around what are Celtic doing at the moment um, for a new manager? Because you know, the big thing for me is uh, last week we spoke about the the upheaval even just in the personnel. And we'll kick off the show, Declan, by talking about uh, Vincent Angelini. Tell me, what's your thoughts? Uh, The young goalkeeper, who I think is now 17, he is the grandson of Quality Street kid, Davey Hay. Uh, Very highly rated goalie, but it looks as though he could be the second highly rated teenage goalkeeper that we lose to an English club. What's what's your update on that one?
2: It's very upsetting. Um, You know, past couple of years this whole season we just seem to be using a, an array of young talent um, you know Cameron Harper a over to America as well there's been other guys that have went out the door this season it, it shows Paul that uh, the club that his issues really deep rooted and it's not just in the first team um, in terms of a youth system and a youth set up guys don't want to be there and that needs to be solved very quickly and that's why I don't know why we're still at the point where you know Champions League qualifiers are still nearing the league is gone it's time to change stuff and get the ball moving because if we don't we're just going to keep losing um, key personnel and and young players which is really disappointing going forward for the future and trying to build for the future
3: This all ties into to various other aspects uh, that we'll talk about, JP, but it's something, I think, on A Celtic State of Mind, we've been banging a drum about it for some time, the youth aspect. Um, is, it, is it fair to say, JP, that when things are going as well as they have done over the preceding nine seasons, when you're winning invincible uh, trebles, when you're winning quadruple trebles, there's a lot of fans who maybe don't look under the surface of the first team and say, what are we doing in terms of youth development? Uh, are there a lot of fans who simply are happy with the success, regardless of whether we buy the young talent in or if we nurture our own? What's your thoughts on
4: that? I think there's probably been, uh, I think I've said this before, there's been probably a lot uh, more short-term thinking at the club in the last few seasons because of the, the albatross that was nine or oh, eight, nine, well, all of them, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row, um, we, we fell at the hurdle uh, for ten, but I think that is. I mean, if you look at the amount of uh, players we've signed that haven't done anything really at the club that made no mark, and you think, well, why, you know, why couldn't a youth player have been given that opportunity rather than uh, these players that we've we've brought in? Um, so I think that has been that that kind of. Uh, we've been hamstrung a little bit by that, and I, I, I hope that going forward, that that now that that's gone and we're back to just concentrating on everything about Celtic rather than just you know this sort of uh, holy grail, so to speak, um, then we can actually focus on on the youth.
3: Well, I, I take the the point that you know Celtic fans, um, you want success. But there is a a real tradition in rearing our own players. And someone mentioned uh, when this was a discussion topic during the week that You know, well, we sold Ciarantini for 25 million quid, so that pays for 10 years of youth development, so it's worth it. I don't buy that because that's just, you know, that's one uh, over a number of seasons that we've brought through who had a a sale on value. Now, we're producing player after player, and this kind of ties in as well, Declan, with the conversation that Colin Watt had just the other day around the Colts team um, being, uh, you know, included in the pyramid. And again, it's something that I've spoken about before because Jock Steen, as forward-thinking as Jock Steen was, back in 1968, actually made a proposal to the league that uh, he wanted the uh, second string. At that time, it was a Quality Street Gang to play in the second division. There were only two divisions in Scotland at that time. Um, it finally got knocked back due to a vote by Partick Thistle, believe it or not. Uh, they had the decisive vote in the end and they voted against the idea of having a Celtic Colts team in the league uh, All these years later And other countries have adopted What Jock Stein was uh, trying to implement All these years later We're in a situation where We're certainly not giving um, These young players a pathway Declan. So they're looking down south It's not all about money I mean I, I know that the finances down there are, are vastly superior to what we have here in Scotland um, But they're looking down there Because there seems to be more of a pathway Uh, We've already lost a number and we've spoken about the players we've lost to Liverpool, Man City, Blackburn, Rovers, Bayern Munich. And it looks as though, you know, Vincent Angelini will go to a club. It may not be Brighton. Uh, There's been interest in in Roma. His father's Italian. He's obviously got uh, links to Italy. So for me, I just I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, you know, in five, six years time, the half a dozen or so young players we've lost could have been the nucleus of our side and moving into a situation, JP, where we're not going to be splashing as much cash. I don't think anyone is uh, moving on into the next three, five years. Um, And also the fact that uh, we're going to have restrictions in terms of who we sign because we're moving into a post-Brexit era uh, in relation to transfers in football. Um, It seems to be that we're at a stage where it's too late. We're going to lose all the, the current crop. They're all going to go. There's a few that are a wee bit older than that. Uh, you mentioned one earlier, Declan, uh, who already had first team experience. He's away to New York Red Bulls, I think, isn't he? Yep. yep. Cameron, yep. Cameron Harper. Uh, we've also got Flex. We've got Dembele, who just a few years ago was the prodigy. Um, you know, he was being spoken about all over European football. There was a tug of war between Scotland and England as to who could cap him. Yet we're going to lose all of these guys. Now, th- this actually feeds into a couple of different discussion points. Topics. The first one being the Colts discussion, which we could have. But the other one would be that we're moving into a situation where we're appointing a director of football and a head coach, JP. And this whole discussion could be part of the strategy moving forward. We want to build not only a team that's winning right now, but we want to build a whole structure at the football club, whereby the guys that we're signing at the moment, who might be 15 or 16, in two or three years' time, we want them to be first-team ready and we want them to be a conveyor belt. Now, that's the kind of thing, if you look at some of the, the um, in-depth interviews given by the likes of Ralph Ranick, for example... Uh, There's a great interview that he gave to Coaches Voices, check that out, you'll find them on Twitter. And then Jesse Marsh, who's obviously been speaking to uh, the media over the last few days, they speak about having this kind of vision where they're actually building something, not just the loving players on the park, which I believe was all Neil Lennon was interested in. But there are other managers like Rafa Benitez, uh, who Carragher reckons is uh, all that he's interested in. JP is the loving guys on the park on on uh, on match day. Um, so I think if we're looking towards the football landscape, we're looking to a new structure. That's the kind of thing that we could actually sell to someone like. Jesse Marsh. Now, we said yesterday on, on the the podcast, Ralph Ranick and, and Marsh obviously know each other. They've worked together. Um, could that be the dream team? For me, it would be the absolute utopia um, if we were to appoint those two. And people are writing off Raniak because they reckon he's, the, the deal's already done with Schalke. Schalke. And that's not the case. Uh, the deal hasn't been done. There's a lot of upheaval um, at Schalke at the moment. And I've actually approached... Um, Talking Fußball, which is a tremendous German uh, podcast who spoke to Axelm a couple of years but in fact three years ago, uh, when I think we were playing München Gladbach, I think it was at the time, um, for an interview so they could fill us in and give us an update on the Schalke situation. So hopefully we'll have them on in the next couple of days. What's your thoughts, JP? Let's sell this vision. Let's sell a vision to a management team, uh, a director of football and head coach, that we actually want to do something, not just... Domestically, but we want to build a team that could make an impression in Europe and it might take three to five years to do that. We need domestic success, of course we do, but this longer-term vision is what I think uh, many Celtic fans are looking towards, JP, which would uh, cross off some of the names that are on the banner at the bottom of the page here, uh, especially Roy Keane.
4: Oh, I'd do that anyway. I would do that (laughs) regardless. And no disrespect to any of them, it's just, you know, I think... I've not given my thoughts on Roy Keane. Roy Keane will always be an absolute god to me. Manchester United legend scored that header in the semi-final, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to play in the final. Was that against UV? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he was Absolutely. tremendous that night. Oh, I mean, I, I can remember that night so well, and just you know being so delighted that they were getting to the final. Um, so, aye, Roy Keane, and obviously his punditry is brilliant as well. He's, he's got great patter on, on the TV, but. When you've not managed a club for ten years and your previous clubs are what is it, Ipswich and Sunderland, it's not that doesn't fill me with any you know, at this particular at this point in time in, in Celtics history, to a point Roy Keane would be folly, I would think. But um the Jesse Marsh thing, I, I started to watch some stuff about Jesse Marsh. Now I'd never normally do that. I watch stuff on YouTube about managers and coaches' voice stuff and all that. But I watched his coaches' voice thing, I watched his halftime team talk against uh, Liverpool, um, when uh, Salzburg were um, they were down to 0 at half time, and he was basically uh, Ging them up, and it was interesting to watch. Um, I, I like the cut of his jib. I think he's really intelligent, uh, and you know he's trained under Ralph you Can also find out. I don't know if you knew this. <clears throat> I just found this out about an hour ago. Was that he had a link? He, getting a pro license uh, is quite difficult to do, but he had. He said he had contacts in Scotland. Yeah. And, and that's how he got his pro-licence. And then there was, there was a, a clip of him at, um, I don't know if it was Mark Hall or wherever the Scotland squad were training, but it was him and a bunch of other managers were all listening to Gordon Strachan speaking. And it was like Callum Davidson and Neil Simpson, and I, I can't remember who else was there, but Strachan's all giving them a, a lecture, basically, about football. So he's obviously got some sort of in with Strachan. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not putting two and two together and coming up with Vibe, but um, there's obviously some link there with Scotland as well so who knows but I, and I also think just regards to the actual appointment I wonder if if you look back at Fergus McCann when Fergus McCann left Celtic he was booed onto the park to lift the flag mm. uh, and I, I hated that day that was my first day as a season ticket holder and I was so annoyed that that was what was happening because was it was not what I was about I was pretty much shouting at folk around about me to stop booing and so Fergus McCann left under that sort of cloud. Now, if Peter Lawler was to go and walk out, and I know there's no flag to raise, obviously, but if Peter Lawler was to take a bow in front of the Celtic support right now, it would be savage. You know, mm-hmm. it would be, If we could be in the stadium, I know for a fact that it would probably be about 70 or 80% of the crowd would boo him. But I wonder if Peter Lawler maybe wants to leave us with... Because is this going to be a Peter Lawler managerial appointment or is it going to be a Dominic McKay? Is it Dominic McKay's first or Peter Lawler's last So if Peter Law wants to leave us with something that in 10 years' time people actually look back and go, well, think about what Peter Law left us with as Mm. a manager. So... I was just
3: thinking about that. So. No, I think you, you, some of the points are excellent, JP. The mm. first one, you're talking there about the pro licence. Obviously, anyone coming from overseas to Scotland to, to, to get their licence needs a sponsor. <laughs> and I remember what they do, obviously, the sponsor being a Scottish football club. And I remember speaking to Jimmy Calderwood, it was obviously um, he spent some time at Dunfermline. And I interviewed him during the period where Dunfermline were in administration. And I was fundraising. Actually, to save Dunferman Athletic, I believe it or not. And we did an interview with uh, Jimmy Calderwood, and he spoke about how when he came over from the Netherlands um, to get his pro licence Rangers unsurprisingly, sponsored him for that as well. And it was during that interview, believe it or not, that he he actually admitted that he was um, offered the Dunfermline athletic job by David Murray. Um, and because the YouTube channel was so small at that time, and hardly anybody watched the interview that I put out, it is on, on the YouTube channel, if you want to go way back to whenever it was, um no one really picked up on the fact that that was uh, a wee bit naughty, uh, and certainly against the rules of the SFA at that particular time, um, but then he repeated the story, I think was on the Tam Cowan show, Tam and shoot Cosgrove, um, yep yeah, and it made headlines then, but Actually, gave me the exclusive. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy explained to me how the that works, you know, with regards to having a sponsor in Scotland, JP. Mm-hmm. So by all accounts, uh, there's uh, been an interview, I think, yesterday where Marsh has, uh, you know, revealed that it was Celtic who was his sponsor when he came over to do the right, pro-license. Right, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there is that link with the club. He says it was through, um, I think, Red Bull. It was something to do with Red Bull that got that you know got that arranged so he was well aware of Celtic and uh, obviously everybody knows he's been speaking about the club in glowing terms but I just think the club is is who we are we've got the traditions we've got uh, the success Um And that's a given, I think, for any managerial appointment. I think if you're going to try and bring in someone like Marsh, and obviously yesterday we we spoke about Raniak as well, uh, Pipe Dream, perhaps. By the way, I have emailed Ralph Raniak and asked him if he wants to do an interview with us, so... That would that be would. an interesting one. Um, that would be a very interesting interview and we'll see if he takes takes us up on it. Um, but bear in mind, I did ask Peter Lowell last season for an interview and that's still not happened. Um, but I think you've got to sell the vision as well as selling the club and the history and the fan base and everything that's special about Celtic. You've got to sell them this vision. And it can't just be, we want to win the league every season. I don't think that would do it for them. I think you've got to have something a wee bit more in terms, Declan, of building sides from within to try and conquer Europe. Now, that sounds lofty, and there's going to be many people looking at me thinking, your head's in the clouds. But if you want to attract that type of managerial jewel to the club, Declan, surely you've got to have that.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name
3: of Blue Cross Blue Shield healthcare plan of Georgia, Inc. Kenny, ambitious vision.
2: Well, I looked at Deleys, Fred, on uh, Twitter yesterday, and if you look at Marco Rose, he's made that progression from RB Salzburg to, to Gladbach, and he's now going to be Borussia Dortmund manager. Mm. So it's three, you know, two big clubs in the Bundesliga that are, you know, are probably giving... Marco Rose a plan and what they want to achieve and what they want to do now whether JC Marsh follows that progression like his predecessor did is another question but I think as you see, Paul for a lot of top calibre managers um, if you go back to Brendan's type of uh, persona they, they want a plan and they want a, a vision they don't want just this idea of 11 men in the park and that's it let's go and win the league title and that'll be it we'll be content with domestic success they want to make inroads in European football because mm. um, I had a chat with Jim Craig the other day on the phone and we were talking about European football. He's been a great advocate, of Celtic in European football. And again, in the um, Ian Bankier's report the week before Lennon resigned, he was talking about looking towards the future of European football. It's something we've spoken about a lot in this podcast. So to just sit in your hands and be happy with domestic success isn't going to do anybody any good. And as well as that, if you look back on the successful times under Gordon Strachan, Matt O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers qualifying for the Champions League, the domestic success just came naturally with that. So it's not a case of just looking towards domestic football. We need to look towards a bigger picture. And that's going to be in terms of what we can offer Jesse Marsh, not just the 11 men in the park, but in the background, of what we want to achieve. Because at this point in time, I think it'd be great if we get a Colts team into League Two. I think that'd be really beneficial for players getting a game again it was a thing Jim Craig mentioned the other day when the Lions and that team had a week off during the week they would go and play teams around Scotland just to build up Um, Mm -hmm. he said probably the the boss got a bung but they get fuck all in his words but um, (laughs) uh, you know it's all about building relationships building camaraderie and getting game time under your belt which I think for a lot of the young boys have not got this season so I think that would certainly build into the plans and if that gets pushed through it would be great but you cannot expect to land a top manager and just say to him, There's 11 the guys, but he win the league, and that's it. Because nobody will take you up in that.
3: I think what's key is Celtic always carry this. Yeah, uh, squad. Some might say a bloated squad. Uh, by the end of the pre-season it may not be that bloated. To be fair, but we have a lot of players. JP, when you look through, uh, you know the the nine league championship wins, the amount of kind of players who are surplus to requirements, and many of them are the kind of youngsters that are coming through. Maybe from the age of let's say eighteen to twenty one, you would expect them to be first team ready, and they're simply not. That is the issue, and that was why um, I always thought the Colts were a, were a fantastic idea, you know, uh, because we don't have a reserve league and we never will. That, that is something we need to accept. Every ex player that I've ever spoken to who played reserve team football spoke about that as being pivotal to their development. There was a point where they were no longer going to learn anything. From their contemporaries So they're playing against 18 year olds They're 18, they're going, to win. they're going to win week in week out And learn nothing Then they get thrown into the reserve league And they're playing against a 32, 33 year olds um, I'll tell you one of the examples I got Just the other week there Kevin Thomas, remember he played with hearts? Mm-hmm. He had a terrible knee injury And um, his uh, introduction to reserve team football Was playing Motherwell Whose centre half was Alex McLeish you know, and he said in that ninety minutes GP he learnt more about the game, the dark arts of the game as well, than than he had done in the preceding, let's say, three, four years playing against boys so that step up's no longer there and it's a brilliant bridge between youth football, first team football and I think we're in a situation Declan where it's not the fact that Angelini doesn't have dreams of playing for Celtic football club and I think all the other young guys had the same dreams when they signed for the club it's just the fact that we can't actually give them that gateway, we can't give them that, that pathway, there is no bridge between youth football and first team football, down south of course I'm sure we'll talk about Maresca at some point You know, you've got a whole host of young players playing in the under 23 league down there. And we've tapped into it. I mean, remember we signed Boyata. was, you know, about 26 years old. He'd only played about 40 professional football games. That that side of things I don't agree with. I think you need to have the games in your legs by the time you're 2021. 20, um, and then before you know it, you know, you've got a player like Boyata who's now probably 29, 30. He doesn't seem to have been around that long because it took him so long to break through. But we've got guys that are going down to the English leagues and, and beyond because we don't have the pathway. I also see the the argument JP with, with these teams who think that you know because it's Celtic and Rangers, I think it was Peter Head uh, made the point the other day that uh, they you know the, the Scottish football is not there just to assist Celtic and Rangers. and I don't know, I think that's a flawed argument. I've got to say that. I do think that's a flawed argument. I think uh, the youth academy at Celtic has produced so many players for all of these teams in Scotland. I mean, you look at just about all these teams in Scotland and many of their players have, uh, you know, part of their development has been at Celtic. There has been an investment in their players by Celtic when they were youth players. So I think to to have that kind of attitude um, is wrong, but at the same time, there might be an argument in relation to where the coach team drops in terms of where they start in the Scottish League. You've got a lot of these clubs who used to be junior clubs JP, who might think, well, we've, you know, surely, you know, we've waited this long to be in the pyramid. Surely you can't leapfrog us and be two or three leagues above us and start in, in, at that level of Scottish football. Do you think it will happen, JP? And if so, do you think that is a good start in terms of Celtic producing players? Um, maybe not back to the, the same kind of regularity as the 60s and 70s. That was almost freakish in nature. Um, but with some some kind of regularity
4: I mean I mean, surely if, if there's any sort of resistance to it amongst the clubs uh, who are going to have to step aside or accommodate a Colts team in their league or whatever if there's any resistance to that surely there must be evidence throughout the rest of Europe that can be presented to them to say well here's what happened in this country when they did mm. it here is the results of that and you know show how money is filtered down uh, throughout the, the leagues in terms of, I know that, I think it was Colin mentioned that there was a, a, a payment was made, as a seasonal payment that was made to to the league. I don't, right. I, don't, I don't really know the mechanics of it, but there was a seasonal payment made to the league by Celtic and Rangers in order that they can have the, the, the coach teams in, in the league. And I know there's obviously the, the glass ceiling that they can't get promoted beyond League One, um, which I find that a bit strange, I mean not that it could ever happen that they could go beyond that, but I just think, well you know, if they win it, then it's just like, oh well, what happens? Does the person- does the team that finished second or third do they then get promoted I, I don't really know how that works, but it just seems like they'll just perennially just be in that that league and potentially winning it all the time but I'd I'd like to think it could could be a if it's if it's been proven to be a success in other leagues in Europe then surely to goodness then they could they could accommodate it here and put aside any sort of oh well you know it's it's all about Celtic or Rangers it should be it should be the other way about it should be about Celtic or Rangers using their their size to be able to benefit Scottish football as a whole rather than 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 sort of uh, bring it down or or, or 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 dilute it in any way.
3: The other thing I'm going to throw this in as well, just on that point. though, JP, going back to that original um, time that Declan and I were talking about. Jim Craig will remember it well. You know, Celtic were sending sides all over Scotland, um, and so one example that springs to mind: they sent the reserve team to Recreation Park in Alloa, uh, and if you were to compare the attendances that. Alaw would have expected uh, on any given Saturday or any given day against what they actually got that day. It was something like eight or nine times the attendance turned up to watch a Celtic reserve side and on that particular day Ward White scored a hat trick uh, the dearly departed Ward who passed away um, this year uh, at the beginning of this year and he helped me out massively with that book, gave me a great interview but it did show that wherever there was a team playing in green and white hoops there was going to be an audience, there was going to be a fan base who would go and watch them all over the country. They even dipped into the markets down south, JP. I mean, they played uh, a number of games down south. They played against Carlisle, for example, and beat them 5 2. Carlisle's first team. Celtic's reserve went down on the back of that. Carlisle signed John Gorman, who was the promising left back, and they signed him. But uh, what, I, what I'm not saying is that we've got the same standard of player. Uh, that we did have back then but unless we make these changes we never will have every so often there will be the freak occurrence as it has become your Kieran Tierney will break through um I mean, Forrest and McGregor who will come up in the conversation later are other examples but these guys are now getting to the their latter 20s, they're getting to that stage of their career, so where, where's the 24 and 25 year olds that should have come through, where's the 22 and 23 year olds that should have come through, we've lost a couple of generations which is a big concern, then you ask the question, you're talking about the glass ceiling JP, I don't know if you, you listened back, um, it was a wee while ago now probably June, July time, we've done a couple of really interesting interviews, one with David Lowe and one with Paul Smith and we were speaking around the possibility of Celtic having a side in English football. Now this is really relevant this week because there has been a a motion in place and it's been accepted in principle around the Netherlands and Belgium, uh, amalgamating if you like, so a number of clubs from both countries amalgamating into one league. Um, and that has obviously raised the old question around cross-border leagues, which Celtic fans have spoken about for many, many years. But those two interviews in particular, Declan, I think you'll probably remember them. Spoke about Celtic's efforts to buy Wimbledon Football Club. Mm-hmm. JP, have I spoke to you about this before?
4: No, I remember that though. I do remember yep. that. That was. It was it when was that around about the time that they were thinking about moving to Dublin.
3: Well, what happened with us? That, that there is a link. There is a link. So Sam Haman, you'll remember him. Yeah. He was at Wimbledon during the crazy gang uh, kind of time. He was looking to sell Wimbledon for forty million quid. Celtic wanted to buy them for said price, and they had the. As far as valuing the playing staff, that had all been done. Celtic wanted to buy Wimbledon Football Club, change the registered address to Celtic Park, 95 Kerrydale Street, Glasgow, right? Uh, and basically become Celtic, change their name and uh, become Celtic. Uh, what that would leave is a Celtic team playing in Scottish football, right? So, I, I mean, I'm looking at both situations whereby they're looking at the cross-border leagues. Everybody keeps telling me that's off the table, that's not going to happen. The reason at the moment, JP, that it's off the table, and this is what came through on the David Lowe interview, is that they tried uh, to test the system. So David Lowe and others bought Clydebank Football Club and then they made a proposal to have Clydebank moved into the Irish League. They wanted them to be based in Dublin And that's exactly what you you said earlier And that was going to be the Trojan horse So they were going to test the water And test all the different regulations involved To see if a Scottish football club could play in the Irish league And if so, that would be their case For putting Celtic into the English league Um, It all fell down after the 1998 World Cup where there was a proposal and the uh, powers that be realised this could open the doors. If Clydebank get into the Irish League, this could open the doors. And they created new rules just in 1998, JP, preventing this from happening. Mm. But what David did say and what is relevant is that all bets are off due to where we are in terms of the financial uh, impact of uh, the coronavirus on world football. And we've already seen moves, as I say, between uh, clubs from the Netherlands and Belgium to try and create a new league So Could we be looking at a, a situation In the future Although it sounds bizarre At this moment in time Where we have a club Going by the name of Celtic Playing in the English league
4: I mean That would be absolutely remarkable I mean Is there, is there any friction Or resistance To the Netherlands And Belgium proposal
3: Do you know Well Everything I've read so far uh, has probably been on the positive side, but I haven't been looking uh, around, you know, the clubs or the fan bases of the, those clubs that would be left behind, JP. So, you know, I mean, what hap- what would happen to the, the Scottish game? A lot of people would say, don't let the, the door hit you on the way out. Mm-hmm. A lot of fans would say that. It's interesting how other fans see Celtic and, and uh, Celtic fans. But uh, let's be honest here, in terms of revenue being gathered by... Sponsorship, broadcasting, and of course the attendances that Celtic take to all these grounds. It would be ca- catastrophic to the Scottish game mm. if Celtic were to leave leave the the country and play elsewhere. Um, but I'm just maybe joining up the dots and getting the wrong picture here. If you've got a coach team and you still have a Sc- you've still got a Scottish based Celtic club playing in Scottish football, um, and we may be looking elsewhere. Going back to your point that, that you were talking about the appointment of a managerial team, JP. I just can't see a situation where Peter Lowell is working in cahoots with Dominic Mackay, surely. There must be a liaison, there must be an engagement there.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's too big a job for him to just be like, I'm not interested in that and or I'm not concentrating or thinking about Celtic until the moment that my feet are under the desk. Um, he must be involved in the the, the uh, negotiations to appoint a new manager because he's the one that's going to be working with them going yeah. forward. So you're not going to just be like, oh well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take whoever you find and I'll work with him. You know, he's this this is Dominic McKay's legacy as well. He's got to start hit the ground running. So you know, if Peter Law, for example, was to just appoint Roy Keane and it was and it wasn't what Dominic McKay's choice would be, then he's left. Holding the baby, so to speak, and then you know we're 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 set back another season, two seasons, or whatever. So no, that, there has to be some involvement, but it's just about whose name's going to be on the on the uh, I don't know, I don't know how to say that. Who's who's going to be um, you know getting the credit for it, so to speak. So that's that's what I'd be interested to know.
3: It'll be one of the ones, JP, where um, I didn't sign. Uh, Patrick Kalamala, but, you know, I'll take Sorrow. I signed Sorrow, but I wasn't responsible for Kalamala. One of the ones where uh, you take all the successes, uh, but it was somebody else's fault that it doesn't work out. I mean, I, I, I just cannot see, Declan, a scenario where the outgoing and the incoming CEO are not... It's not a joint decision. Surely they're working together.
2: No, it, need, it needs to be a, a joint decision, Paul. I think as well, the fact that Dominic's coming from Scottish Rugby points to a question of his experience in football so far Um, This week on The Marketer's Report
1: Patrizio Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on building trust Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding! Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details.
2: Whether you like Peter Lowell or not, you know, he's been around the game for a long, long time. He's got a lot of connections uh, around the country and whatnot. So I imagine there will be a conversation between Peter Lowell, Dominic McKay and Dermot Desmond. And again, spoke about joining the dots up. We all know that Peter's son works for Manchester City. And when we start to think about Enzo Maresca, you know that could be one of the jo- the dots that are joined up. That go back to what John Paul, eh, what J P was saying earlier on, and that if Peter does leave, he might want to leave something positive at least. Um, although the legacy just now is in tatters, it could be a, a parting gift, and hopefully the parting gift something positive that lets us build for the future. But I can't see a world where it's just Dominic Paci that's putting the manager. There must be dialogue between the freedom going forward here. And that's why. I think that Mareska pro- might possibly be the man that comes in due to the, the link that Peter Lowe has with Manchester City and the link that Celtic have built up with, with Manchester City in the past few years.
3: Mm. I mean, we've, we've spoken about all the possibilities. I mean, that that's part of the reason why there's a daily bulletin. Every new name that comes in, we go through it, we pour over it. We've interviewed Mark Hughes and Mark Bone, who have been linked to the Celtic job. I thought they were very impressive when we spoke to them. And, but You know, the big issue around the names that have been mentioned for me, JP, is Roy Keane. And I'll tell you why I think it's an issue. I think that Dermot Desmond does have a a liking for Roy Keane. I think that that much has been confirmed. Is Roy Keane Desmond's itch that he needs to scratch? That worries me. Hopefully not. yes, it
1: would
4: be absolutely crazy. I mean... I know that the guys were talking the other day about how the English media were building it up to be sort of Keane versus Gerrard and all that. But I mean, Keane Keane played Gerrard on the pitch. It's not about marrying them up as managers. Do you know what I mean? There's a bigger picture here than just a headline for the sake of a headline. Yeah. There's a whole, the whole massive rebuild. And there's no evidence to show that Roy Keane has ever been part of that or could handle that if it was was put in uh, front of him to do. So, and I think you've got to also look at um, did Natasha not do a poll about Roy Keane? And it was Mm -hmm. like overwhelming. I can't remember the percentage, but I remember when I clicked no, because I clicked no, obviously. um, When I clicked no, it came up. I'm sure it was 70, 80%, maybe more. Natasha will be able to tell us, but. so I mean if you're if you're going to, I know that's only a microcosm of the Celtic support and it and it's not that doesn't speak for everybody but it's a it's a it's an example and it's a, a worrying example for them if they if they do decide to go down that route because they'll mend them if they do, because it's clearly not a popular decision.
3: No, and, and, and it's very you know, it's a short term thing, isn't it? I, I mean they're going for get a big name in, sell the season tickets but you're not looking beyond that. I mean, I think we opened up today's bulletin talking about something that's on the other end of the scale in terms of managerial, um, you know, managerial ambitions. If you like, if you were to bring someone in with that long term vision, um, I think that yeah, it doesn't have that. What keeps getting called a box office appeal, but I mean, how how often has gone for a high profile manager over the actual nuts and bolts of what the manager can do? How often does it actually work? I mean, you know, th- this thing about them trying to bill it in the media, JP, it's just a nonsense, isn't it? I mean, they would bill, they'd probably bill Lampard the same way, wouldn't they? Yeah. Lampard, V. Gerrard. It then becomes an English football story. So then they can appeal to an English fan base when they they show the games on Sky Sports, for example. That's not what Celtic need. We don't need that. We need something that is actually going to be um, going forward, let's say three years, five years, seven years, a plan on how to build the success of the club, but also the infrastructure of the football department. And a massive part of that, obviously, is the youth that we've touched on, um, but also the recruitment. I mean, Roy Keane comes in, uh, what what would happen in terms of the recruitment? Someone at the moment has already um, started signing players for next season as well. And that's why I go back to what I say to Declan there. There has to be a joined up approach. That sounds like wanky corporate speak, but there needs to be a joined up approach between where we are just now and the incoming team. How can you sign a player and then present them to a new manager? Now, I know that there was an element of that when Vim Jansen came in. There were players that were already lined up uh, to sign and we saw through the signature. Same thing happened with Ronnie Dyler. Ronnie Dyla had nothing to do with Craig Gordon signing for Celtic, um, but he inherited him and it wasn't a bad player to inherit, to be fair. Uh, and I think when you're looking at uh, the incoming players at Celtic, you would hope that that's part of an assessment process uh, and you would hope that we are already in consultation, which would make me believe that the Raf- Ralph Ranick situation will never happen at Celtic because obviously he's at a, um, in a situation where he's been linked to the Germany job um, and he had reportedly been approached for the Schalke job and the Schalke board have denied that that's the case, they said it was a non-legitimate group who had actually asked them uh, probably the rebels I don't know if they're going through a takeover. hence the reason I wanted the football guys to come in hopefully they can come in and clarify all that but Will Roy Keane be on a shortlist at Celtic Park? I think he probably will. I actually think he probably will. And I think the influence of Dermot Desmond will be the reason behind that. Davy Moyes. Imagine asking the Celtic fan base 12 months ago about Davy Moyes. You know what I mean? People would have been throwing things at the screen, JP. But I think back to 2015 it was. It was the 30th anniversary of Jockstein's passing. And they did a, a massive thing. The Celtic Foundation were involved in a fundraiser that took place at East End Park. I don't know if you remember it. James McAvoy played for Celtic. Um, Davy Moyes was the manager of Celtic. Vinnie Jones played and all that. Can you remember oh, yeah. the game? I remember that, yeah. And they'd done a big um, event in the, in the evening time in Dunfermline. Um, and Davy Moyes was one of the speakers. And I was at that event, and someone asked him the question. I think it was in Spain at the time, I think, 2015. Someone asked him a question about coming back to Scotland to manage, and his answer that night was that he sees a time in the future where he would definitely come back to Scotland to manage. And all the Celtic fans in the room took that as red. I mean, who else is he going to manage? He wasn't mm-hmm. talking about Dunfermline, all due respect. He did play with Dunfermline. But um, he did not make that. And I came away thinking, well, he's either talking about international ambitions or there's something whereby he wants to come and manage Celtic in the future. Um, I've seen a a story just over the last 24 hours linking Davy Moyes to Celtic. I mean, he's done a remarkable job at West Ham. Um, He's the type of manager, I think, JP, that works better when given a long-term vision.
4: Yeah, I think we saw what happened at Manchester United, even Louis van Gaal you know, after after Moyes was not not chased out. But, I mean, he certainly, you know, he didn't do what he was supposed to do as a Manchester United manager. Jose Mourinho didn't do what he was supposed to do as a Manchester United manager. Yes, he won trophies. Yes, he got them back up to near where they were. But, you know, the, the ultimately nobody has succeeded since Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson as Manchester United manager. And I think Moyes... I was always a really big champion of Moyes when he was at Manchester United because I just I, the way the press just jumped on him, as soon as a few results went bad, it was just like wow, like the absolute ruthless. You know, there was no oh, let's give him a bit of time. He was taken over from one of the, the well, the most successful manager in, the, in in the in the in the English game. <laughs> and uh, they didn't give him any slack at all. It was just like not, you know, not good enough. Uh, he's a dud. Get him out. And um, I, I always had a bit of fun this. And before anybody gets into this, uh, oh, there's JP telling another story about somebody I met. I didn't meet him, but it was on my flight back from Seville. David Moyes was sitting about four seats back from me on my flight back from. Uh, Matt it was actually Malaga. And I remember hearing Celtic fans behind me. I didn't speak to him, but I remember hearing Celtic fans behind me asking him if Wayne Rooney was a Celtic fan <laughs> because Wayne Rooney was obviously just coming through at that point. Yeah, yeah. And all the people were hype about him, and they were like, "Ah, oh, is Wayne Rooney? Is Celtic a Scottish team and all that?" Because uh, there would maybe been some chatter of it. And uh, Moyes was like, "No, he's, he's an Everton fan, uh, definitely an Everton fan." <laughs> and I just heard them say that. So um, I, I, I don't, I don't dislike David Moyes and I, but I just think with all the talk that we've had and the things that we've been. Uh, kind of almost, you know, the carrot's been dangled with regards to the likes of a Jesse Marsh or an Enzo Maresca or, or just somebody with that kind of a different a different take on it. You know, I think Moyes is still going back to the whole Celtic connection. You know, uh, you know, former player, all of that. You know, and I, I, I get that that is an aspect that needs to be explored, but I, I think we need to move away from that and move away from it with a with a a positive and progressive, not regressive. Uh, there's an appointment, not a disappointment. Progressive, not regressive. There you go. So,
3: I think uh, progressive is the word when you, you think about the Harkin-Maresca uh, combination and you look at someone like Jesse Marsh. Um, Eddie Howe, Declan's a different proposition entirely. I look at uh, an appointment of Eddie Howe being similar in nature to Brendan Rogers in that he would be looking at Celtic as a stepping stone. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, 100%. Paul, I think there's a risk if you go with one of these you know, higher profile managers that after two, three years are not going to be there and are going to go out the door and again you get left with the situation that we found ourselves in in February 2019 and at that point again do we go and give John Kennedy the job and say come in, win the cup and uh, fire him into the position You know, but we need to get away from that and it's about building for the, the, the long-term future. Um, apologies for looking at my phone there bit of breaking news Luca Connell has joined Queen's Park on loan until the end of the season so um, sort of got away from the topic there but just to be a an update not, not
3: breaking news I like that Declan but I mean that takes us on to the, the we've mentioned Queen's Park a few times haven't we on Axon and that, that's, a, a, that's a tremendous signing for them you look, you look at what Queen's Park have done just over the, the last year or so obviously they've gone professional You know, the Scotland's oldest club, and they were always amateur until recently. They've moved, obviously, from Hamden Park. They're now playing their home games, or will be playing their home games at Lesser Hamden. Ray McKinnon's the manager. Leanne Dempster, some might say my lookalike, my doppelganger. Leanne Dempster is the CEO. I mean, Leanne Dempster went from Motherwell to Hibs to Queen's Park. I mean, what a coup that is. That's incredible. And if they're bringing in players, and I'm saying of the standard, you know, just last week I was saying he doesn't have a future at Celtic. But that's an excellent move for the player. But again, it shows Queen's Park's ambition. You know, there's a club there that, that I have heard, I have heard, wish to be, um, top six in Scotland. They want to be the third biggest club in Scotland. It's an incredible bit of ambition. Uh, obviously, will require a huge amount of investment, which at this moment in time they, they, they currently do have. But uh, Declan, thanks for that update, and sorry for interjecting. You were just uh, you were commenting yourself on the Eddie Howe um, issues around you know uh, appointing a manager like that.
2: Yeah, as I was saying there, I don't think. Going for one of these guys is going to benefit as long term again because if you bring in a manager like this, you know, the time span is going to be two to three years and you find yourself back at square one. To me, it's about appointing the right person as director of football, first of all, getting a good coaching, and then it becomes a, a system where if one person leaves that system they're replaced very quickly, very easily, and it just goes back to a smooth running order, whereas just now we've just, you know, completely tore that apart from the kind of early signs about Brendan putting place at the football club to where we are now, where we're going to see a raft of first-team players leaving the summer, a uh, youth academy that's leaving so many young players and uh, a coaching set that's run its course and needs changed.
3: The, um, there are a few accounts on Twitter that people reckon have got the ear of the Celtic board. You'll have seen them um, coming and going over the over the period, and you know which ones I'm talking about. But I was speaking to somebody. This this is as bad as um, the flack you get, JP, for meeting famous folk uh, <laughs> as as my sources. But I was speaking to someone who is, is close to the club and who reckons that there is going to be an incredible investment in the Celtic coaching. Staff and playing staff moving into next season. Now, when I was told that, I thought, right, okay, I know that you've got to get the league title back, but surely uh, that level of investment is with bigger ambitions. And that certainly, that theory wasn't quashed when I when I suggested that. And that's why I'm starting to think around. I guess, an escape route, for want of a better term, from Scottish football? Do they have ambitions beyond that? Um, is the managerial appointment going to be feeding into a much bigger picture at Celtic Football Club? It makes you wonder. Um, but thanks for the update. I know that Colin Watt is going to be devastated, Declan, that uh, Luca O'Connell is going to be leaving the building uh, because he wanted them to be given a wee chance at Celtic. I mean, he's he's not really had an opportunity, um, but you know, going back to the managerial situation, JP. Obviously, another name um, that's been touted by some people who have worked with him is John Kennedy, and John Kennedy will be in charge of his first Celtic game against Rangers this weekend. Now. We're 45 minutes into this broadcast already. We haven't even taken a comment and I will get on to the comments, I promise.
2: It's,
3: it is. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the music, 55 minutes in. Um, but uh, let's have a look at this weekend's game. I, I wrote down... A team line A predicted team line uh, You know Something that I wouldn't It wouldn't surprise me If he played uh, And from that team line There was probably only Four or five players I would expect to be at Celtic Next season Which is It really shows you The the magnitude Of the rebuild at Celtic um, JP How do you think We're going to approach it How do you think uh, Kennedy John Kennedy Is going to approach this the, the potential lineup, And do you have any fears For for this weekend in terms of what we saw against Dundee United being pretty uninspiring?
4: Well, I mean, it was. But, I mean, if you remember the first half, I mean, one of those shots goes in, and there was many. Um, one of those shots goes in and it changes the complexion of the game. At the second half, I think it was like a case of them thinking, oh, well, we've thrown everything at it and nothing's happened. So, you know, we'll just play out this sort of drab, Nil nil draw and then to see them go off the park with no real kind of sort of I mean it was almost because there was no no fans there there was no you know reason to show disappointment or anything like that you know there was no dropping to the knees there was no sort of full outrage or full full sadness even it was just kind of like oh well you know that, that's that then let's just walk off the park which is a bit
1: disheartening. This week on the marketers report, Patrizio Spagnolletto, global chief marketing officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
4: I don't know if it will be different this Sunday or not. I mean, you would like to think that the fact that of the, the the nature of the opponents and what they've just uh, done, and what we've what we've seen and saw the you know endless gloating and you know even their their shirt sponsors putting out billboards and things things like that. You know, if that was if that was me in that dressing room, I, I would want the game to happen. You know. You know, tomorrow. Never mind Sunday. So, um, I just hope that they, they've, they've got that kind of fire in them to, to go out there and, and, and put in a performance. Because everybody knows they're capable of it. It's still pretty much the same side. It's not as I know there's a few people that have got injured and in, in, uh, a couple of departures. But I mean, the, the, the nucleus of that team is a good, is, a, is made up of good football players. So. Um, it's about John Kennedy to, to, to show what he can do in this short term, uh, and you've got to just wonder what it's like within the, the walls of Celtic Park. Is it is it is there a, is there a, a cloud or is there a, a, a an optimism? You know, mm. because nobody knows nobody knows really what's going on. You get the platitudes from the players and the and the the set up interviews by Celtic, but I mean that's all very much kind of stage managed, and you know it, it doesn't it doesn't feel. Natural almost, so I'd like to know what the genuine feeling is in the dressing room rather than just this, uh, you know, facade that was presented.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's something Neil Lennon spoke about Declan during the the season the fact that you know the, the players were crippled by the pressure of 10 in a row that's gone. And I'm not saying that there's no stress or pressure playing for Celtic, there should be pressure on you. No matter who you're playing on a day to day basis, there should be a pressure on you at training to prove to the manager that you should be playing in front of um, whoever it is you're up against. So, yeah, it would be interesting to know if, you know, that, that cloud has. Um, disbanded uh, in some way JP and there is a a freedom if you like because obviously the league is gone um, or b- because again you know the, the whole uncertainty of who's watching you day to day might not be there next season and I think that would add into it but you've got players there Declan who should be hungry they should be hungry to show uh, what they can do, especially in a big game, as it always is um, this Sunday. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? I, I don't think John Kennedy's stamped his own authority on the side. I think it's been very much um, other than spells like JP mentioned, where we seem to be playing a wee bit more free-flowing in the first half against London United. JP, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, I think it was 27 shots Um, by the end of the game and you would have normally expected one of them to go in Um, we certainly would expect from the players we've got to score a couple of goals in a scenario like that how do you think we're going to approach you Declan and what's your prediction what's your prediction for for this Sunday
2: I think one thing that might help us Paul is we're not sitting here talking about a possibility of Rangers coming to win the league at Celtic Park Um, as much as it was disappointing the way in which we lost the league at Tanadice I think it might help some of the players because we can see they've, they've not handled pressure at all this season. That That's not a case of trying to stop that in Sunday. Um, it's a case anyway of trying to stop Rangers going unbeaten for the season. That's enough motivation for any side, to, never mind the, the embarrassment that some of them have been put through and the gloating that they've saw in recent days. It might have done John Kennedy good to have, a, you know, two weeks kind of proper training with the first team as well. But, I really don't know because whether some players are going to prove themselves, whether that be for to remain in the building next year, to get out the door in the summer. But the pressure, certainly the league title is well gone. So to me, it's just about stepping up and proving that there's still decent enough players. Yeah, because we think there still is? But on Sunday, I think it'll be tight. Um, Rangers obviously play European football tonight. Whether that affects them on Sunday, whether they change their team, obviously they're not home and dry against Slavia Prague. Yet. They'll face a tough tie tonight uh, Slavery did well at Leicester so you will be in for a tough game tonight what that might do is uh, give us some something to build on in Sunday because obviously we won't be playing this evening um, might see a few Rangers players tiring but you know Sunday's a big big game for us it's a big game for John Kennedy if he wants to try and put his name into the hat because I think at this point in time that's gone and it's a big chance for some players to really prove themselves I think it'll be tight but I would hope that some of the Celtic players would step up and put an end to Rangers' unbeaten run and, and show that they're still decent enough players.
3: That would be key. I'm going to have a look at some of the points coming through in relation to, uh, you know, the suggestion that someone like Jesse Marsh could come in. And Kaplan Mark, who's commenting on YouTube, states that Marsh is the right profile and philosophy, has experience, success, and has clear thoughts on development of the squad. This is much more the right direction we should look at. Uh, by the way, I agree with that. I totally do agree with that. And you know, there is just that niggling thought. You know, behind the scenes, JP, where someone might be pushing for a Roy Keane and thinking that that's the magic wand and we can go out and do what we always do and recruit, you know, five or six players and hopefully three of them are decent and we'll win the league. We can't do that now. We've got a proper cha- a challenge. We are now the challengers. We we are up against it in in terms of just continu- continuing as is uh, or has as has become the norm. Uh, David Bradley comes in to say, Celtic, we need a big performance on Sunday. I think the biggest thing for me is what Declan said, and um, you know we've got to end that uh, domestic dominance in terms of an invincible league campaign. It doesn't look to me like anyone is going to do that. So Celtic need to do it. And Magnet 67 Marsh and Rangnick, it would be a major step up and an indication of proper change uh, absolutely agree with that and uh, interestingly Shippey 67 Marsh and how a dynamic forward thinking their own philosophies will show care and time for the youth but are also coaches and we have lacked that since Rogers left under coaches under equals underperformed yeah absolutely and finally uh, Robert Highland comes in to say Marsh and Ranick would rock the international football community now what I'm going to say from that point of view Robert is I'm almost resigned well I'm t- completely resigned to losing uh, Edward in the summer I think but m- most of us are um, we're also probably going to lose uh, Ryan Christie and probably going to lose Chris Iyer now as much as Some Celtic fans don't rate um, the defensive ability of Chris Ayer or indeed the ability of Ryan Christie. I think all three of those players would be big, big losses for Celtic. Now, if we were to show our hand and say, well, you know, we are serious about being a contender in Europe. And the names that we've mentioned on on the show today would suggest that we are JP. Do you think that might actually change the mind? I, I don't think it's ever going to happen with Edward. It's too far down the line for Edward, and it probably is time for him to move on. But players like Ayer and perhaps Christie might stay for um, another season or two longer than they would have done had we not made that appointment.
4: Right, it depends on the the level of uh, ambition that's shown. By the sorry, no, that's not what we meant to say. Depends on the level of clubs that we're going to be coming in for the likes of I or Christie and Edward. Because if the clubs that are coming in for them to them are underwhelming in terms of how they see their ability and how they see their career going, um, if we were to bring in a highly uh, you know lauded coach with a, a proven track record of improving players, I mean Jesse Marsh worked with uh, Erling Haaland. So you know what I mean. You've got a guy that that can point to that as his, as as a recent uh, example. I know it was only for six months, but the, he's obviously got a fondness and uh, vice versa for for the player. Um, so I think yeah, I think potentially that that could have an influence on on their decision because if they go well, here's this guy coming in. He can he can develop you over the next season possibly too, and. You know, let's see who would be interested in you after those two seasons. You know, because you know you'd like to think that we would be a at the Champions League again. It feels like forever since we were in the Champions League. I mean, I don't know about you, but it actually feels like it's about I don't know five or six years since we played in the, the Champions. The
2: last League. time you heard that music, JP would have been December twenty six. Uh, sorry, December twenty seventeen against Anderlecht. Right, four year, years. Four years come three years, three years three a bit years,
4: years. And it actually feels like longer than that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. Um, whether you know the both feet are out the door already with with, with those players, who knows? We we don't know. It's it's, it's we're completely in the dark to that. But um, if you've said that you've heard that from a source about a serious investment, I'm not surprised. Like why why would we not do that at this point in time? It's clearly obvious. Uh, that that needs to happen and by the way I want to actually add something in here because I get that there'll be the whole 55 and counting comments coming in and everything else and oh you're just bitter about um, Rangers winning I don't begrudge Rangers gloating at all but this whole idea of it Kings of Glasgow and you know they're now the the, the pendulum's swung and they're going to win 10 in a row absolute nonsense please excuse me I have someone at the door with a parcel.
3: That's all right. Declan and I will continue until you come back Um, now See when we're looking at the reaction of the very mention of Ryan Christie, Declan. So I'm going to bring in some of the the mentions coming in from Facebook, firstly. Christie has done nothing for us. I think he owes us big time. And uh, Pa G, happy to see Christie go. Um, And then, David, uh, I don't disagree with this. Turnbull is better than Christie. And if we get the right manager, they have loads of contacts. Absolutely. Uh, I think my concern is, we're going into a period uh, in the summer whereby, you know, Colin and I went through the entire squad, and that included players like Luke O'Connell, and we spoke about how many of them might be leaving the building. So we took it for granted that all four loanees would be leaving, even though there might be a deal done for someone like El Yannoussi, um, quite a few uh, of the younger players. There was up, upwards of, you know, 16, 17, as much as 18 players that might be leaving Celtic this summer Declan which is astonishing and I think what we need to be really really careful of is that we don't lose too much firstly we don't lose too much of the experience and that is where I made the argument around Scott Brown now I was looking at the amount of seasons that every player has, has played first team football at Celtic within the squad I was looking also at the amount of appearances that each of those players had made and the the top five at Celtic at the moment are Lee Griffiths, Scott Brown Near Beaton, James Forrest, Callum McGregor, so they are the five most experienced in terms of um, Celtic performances and the amount of time they've been at the club that we have, how many do you believe of those five will still be at Celtic Take next season, Declan?
2: Mm, very little. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a bit of a mixture. You know, with Lee, fitness wise, this season again, he's got one year in his contract. Whether we'll look to get him out the door, whether he can be trusted again, we don't know. I would certainly give Scott Brown a year extension. I hope Callum McGregor wants to, to hang around um, because I think Carly's an excellent footballer. Beaton, again, experienced for me I probably wouldn't have him around the building but again no, if you're looking for a rebuild you don't want to have too many out the door probably But one I would be quite happy to let go of but um, and James Forrest again will def- most definitely be there and again a player we've missed this season due to injury but we need to be careful and I'm quickly going back and Christie, he's our second biggest uh, for assists this season so he's not did nothing Um he's not been at the same heights as last season but he certainly contributed to an extent and again for him and Chris Iyer I think it's going to depend as well on what's offered in the table contract wise because for money you know some players both have achieved all they can at Celtic domestically whether they will look to go in for the riches in another league is another question another quick uh, transfer update Queen's Park have doubled their signings today Ryan Mullins went to Queen's Park and loaned too so um the phone's red really hot today in Queen's Park are pulling off all the big deals I feel like Jim White here
3: De- Declan's, Declan's got an in is it, is it Leanne Dempster could you get her on the no, show
2: no, no no and it's not Sir Lord Willie either from Queen's Park in case anybody put that together
3: mm, well I know we could start a rumour uh, a quick prediction for the weekend JP oh god
4: uh, well I mean the last uh, Celtic Rangers game at a Celtic Park that I watched I watched out the back uh, on a little Uh, Bench at the back of my flat with my pal James who's an Aberdeen fan and there was a delay in my stream so I actually heard someone scream for a goal the second Rangers goal I heard it happen before it happened on my stream (laughs) so from the corner kick that was happening I was like this is a goal they're going to score here and then the next thing yeah bang goal so it was a extremely surreal uh, experience and I'm sure Sunday will be another extremely surreal experience because, you know, my seat is sitting empty at a ground, you know, half an hour along the road from me in my flat. It's horrible. With regards to the, the, the game, I think it'll probably be one each or something like that. I don't think it'll be, you know, I don't think it'll be anything that exciting as a game. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it'll be, yeah, one each.
3: So JP thinks that Rangers will continue to be uh, unbeaten in the league. Declan, do you disagree with that?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 Celtic. As much as I've um, ripped the heart and soul out of me this year, I've still backed a team to beat Rangers, so 2-1 Celtic.
3: I love the positivity. Thank you everybody for getting involved in the comments on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to A State of Mind on YouTube. Uh, we are putting out Daily content. Every single day there's a number of broadcasts and pre-produced videos going out on the channel so make sure We're that you Celica, subscribe. Scream of Celica, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the Celtic uh, Stroke Music Crossover Show. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. I love it. I really love it. And there's loads of other shows coming on. Uh, you might very soon be seeing Declan presenting his own show, but we'll have a wee chat about that at some point soon, Deck uh, But all that's left for me to say is thank you to Declan McConville and JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Thank <music>
1: when mma fighter clay guida was losing his hair he trusted bosley to get it back now it's your turn get a free information kit plus get a 250 dollar off gift card when you text score to 203203 that's text score to 203203 don't wait text score to 203203 this week on the marketers report patricio spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct to consumer for warner brothers discovery weighs in on building trust